you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Brad Redding from Elevar. That's at getelevar.com. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, I'm I'm I've been looking forward and wanting to do this conversation for over a year because of your experience with uh, Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager. Um, for just like at the highest level, like if we look at the Google universe, if we look at Google Ads, Google Tag Manager, um, uh, Google Analytics, and Google Optimize, how do these all fit together for somebody who has an e-commerce store or is selling something from their website? How long is this? Uh, how long do we have for this? <laughs> well, get, give us a simple version first. Like people are like, yeah, you know what? I, I want to be like scientific. I need to track. I need to run experiments. Like maybe I want to pay for traffic and I need to see what's working and what's not working. How does yeah. one start in Google? Yeah. Uh, loaded question. There's there's different ans- different variations, different answers to that. The the foundation and what we would, I, I would say this is what we consider best practice. The foundation in terms of getting started in the world of Google is Google Tag Manager. Google Tag Manager is essentially the, the conduit to implement Google AdWords, conversion tracking, Google Ads remarketing tags, Google Optimize, Google Analytics, GA4, any of the other marketing tags. Uh, and then there's, there's other terms that you know, maybe more technical folks that are watching this that might hear like G tag, like you have the AdWords G tag that GS and you need, you need to have consent mode and all these other things. Those all start with Google Tag Manager. So if you, if you have Google Tag Manager implemented, implemented on the site, that really, it makes that process easy to get all these other tools and services that you mentioned up and running quickly. And for somebody who's coming more from like a marketing background has been using tags in a CRM to kind of segment people and trigger campaigns and things like that. How yeah. is a Google tag different from a CRM tag? Yeah, uh, the nom- nomenclature is is why we're in business because <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, and by nomenclature, let's, let's even take uh, Google Tag Manager inside of Google Tag Manager, there are the tags. And the tags that exist in Google Tag Manager, that that's essentially the Facebook pixel, the Google conversion tracking, your the email CRM. So whether it's Klaviyo, Drip, MailChimp, et cetera, they all have tracking, like a tracking script that they're gonna say, hey, install this tracking script on our site. That is implemented through a tag in Google Tag Manager. And that's that. There's so many examples of where nomenclature can trip people up inside of Google Tag Manager because if you look at the three, let's just take three big marketing providers out there. You have the Facebook Pixel, you have the Ad Google Ads Tag, and you have Twitter Event Tracking. So if you're at, if you want to set up Twitter, three different names. One calls it a pixel. One calls it a tag. One calls it an event. They're all basically all the same thing. It's all tracking scripts that you implement through Google Tag Manager. So a tag in Google Tag Manager, that's essentially the conduit to, like, to actually get that tracking script or the pixel running on the site. 
can compare that to your tagging that you're doing, which is more filtering inside the CRM. So Google Tag Manager, like if we're tracking events or the Twitter, we're, we're paying, we're doing Twitter ads and we can tell mm -hmm. that this traffic that we paid for from Twitter is converting on our site. Google Tag Manager is the bridge for that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have the tracking implemented that Twitter provides, you, you'll be spending money, but you won't be able to get your metrics like um, cost per landing page, cost per ad add to cart, cost per conversion or form submission, et cetera. Is Google Tag Manager something that we just kind of set it, forget it, or do we have to configure it for all those different things like uh, landing page? Like how much setup is involved? Uh, there's the set there. It's not a set and forget it. That's certainly not, not the case for a Tag Manager. Is, it depends how active you are in a couple different verticals of your business. If you are actively or, or your companies, folks watching this are actively testing out new channels, then you're going to be, you're, you're going to use Google tag manager to implement the tracking tags. And that's, it is significant. Some of the benefits of Google tag manager are it's, you don't, you don't need to go into a code base. You don't need a developer to go through and implement this and deploy this to your production team. Google tag manager allows marketers to just very quickly and easily implement these tracking scripts through GTM sometimes by just getting an account ID because there's built-in what are called tag containers inside of GTM. So that that is one where it can be fairly active. And the second part, which is very heavy of what we do and part of our product, the Chrome extension, is what's called Google Analytics event tracking. So if you think about your website and you have buttons and videos and forms to download and all these things that people can do on one page, your standard Google Analytics implementation is generally just page views, just tracking page views. And you go into GA and you're looking at where are people leaving, what's my landing page performance, what pages are uh, have a higher page value, et cetera. But all those different interactions, people watching the video, again, downloading the form or submitting the form, et cetera, those are called events. And you can track, you can track that behavior. It's called event tracking. And you implement that through Google Tag Manager as well. So those are those are the two primary use cases where use cases where we see GTM is is honestly part of like a marketer's toolbox that they're going to touch weekly, bi-weekly at the minimum. That's awesome. So if we have, we know a landing page is performing, we might, if we're not using Google Tam, Tag Manager, we, may, we might not know that people who watch the video on that page are 10 times more likely to buy. We just, we don't have the full picture. Is that kind yeah. of a, an example? Yeah, I'll use our on our site, getelver.com. So we have a video demo page and there's some smack, there's like a video with three different video tabs right there. That's all set up with event tracking. And people that watch our demo video, it is literally something like that. Like they convert 10 times more than people who don't watch a video. And you, it, that's all done because when someone someone watch like clicks the watch video button, that pushes an event. So that event is triggered through Google Tag Manager pushes that data into Google Analytics. So now inside of Google Analytics, I can just do a basic segment of people who watch a demo video versus people who don't watch a demo video, what's their conversion rate? So for where that leads us in terms of driving uh, just, just different marketing or CRO, conversion optimization across the site, I wanna push people to that demo page as much as I can because I see people are, the demo video is useful somehow. I don't know, I don't know why, but 
a demo video is, is answering someone's questions and, and helping that user down their path to purchase. So that's a great example of how event tracking can help with the conversion optimization. How does that sit in relation to goals in Google Analytics? Is this like a new and improved kind of thing that you do instead of goals or do you do goals as well inside Google Analytics? I could talk about this stuff all day. So the, it's a great question. Events. So goals, when you look at a goal creation inside of Google Analytics, it's going to give you a couple different options. You're going to have a page view option. So you can set a goal, like if someone reaches my form submission, thank you page. Yeah. There is the custom option when you create a goal and the custom option allows you to set any event action that someone does on site as a goal. So they can configure that as a goal. To give you give you a real example, so example of some goals that we have created in our site, we have a lot, is we have a goal for somebody watching a demo video. So basically what you do is when you create that Google Analytics event via Google Tag Manager, it pushes that data into Google Analytics. The event action is called watch demo video. And then when you create the goal, the goal is if event action equals watch demo video, then that's a goal success. So now when you have these different behaviors across your site is I can look at one single report either by landing page or by channel and have all my goals listed out so I can see what percentage of goals am I completing. So for again our site, which is a B2B SaaS site, we're looking at, I can look very clearly and see percentage of people that watch a demo video, percentage of people that sign up for a trial, percentage of people that scroll 50% and are on a page for 30 seconds, percentage of people that uh, download a PDF percentage of people that do they're doing things like that's, that's what I want to, to ultimately evaluate. And so the, the event tracking is that can really supercharge your goal creation. Cause you have 20 goals and you should, if you don't use them, then you're missing out. That's awesome. This reminds me of that quote about marketing that, you know, we're doing a lot of marketing. We just don't know which half is working. However, mm -hmm. in your style, you do know what's working and like, yeah. there's just much more clarity and less, uh, you know, incomplete data sets there. Yeah. What yeah it, it can be a double-edged sword though, because if it, there, if you're not used to analyzing this data and tracking it, it can be overwhelming because now you have a lot of data and to analyze it does take time if you don't, it just takes time. So there's, there's that double-edged sword where you can track everything and then you end up with analysis paralysis. I, I totally get that. What's an example, like if somebody's new and getting into it, like what should, where should they start? Like there's all this data. Should they like work backwards from a conversion or like where's typically in an e-commerce business on Shopify or wherever, where is the low hanging like first mm -hmm. place to focus? Yeah. I, there's, not a first place to start. The The answer to that question is a question back to you or the, the person that's asking the question. Uh, what, what answers are you trying or what questions are you trying to answer from users activity on your site? So let, uh, let's use your site on Lyft okay. or LMS. What are, like just sure. think of if you, you have, I don't know how many pages you have in your site, but hundreds. Are there yeah, are there <laughs> yeah. questions? Like, are there burning questions that you wish knew the answers yes. to certain user behavior on your site? What are those? What are those questions? <laughs> uh, one of them would be something about the channel, like revenue per channel with more clarity than what I know now. Yeah. You know, that's an example. That's one. Yeah. Okay. What's what are what are some other ones? Um 
I would like to know something about like uh, time from lead to close going through like a, a form for a, a digital lead magnet yeah. download to becoming a paying customer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then if I was going to do one more, um, I'd like to know, um, some, some really detailed kind of event, like what are people doing on my pricing page and mm -hmm. like, what's the what are people clicking on or how many times are we coming back here yeah like a little just yeah. more insight into the pricing page yeah so that's you start you create your tracking plan based on those questions so if we use okay. the pricing page again if you have a bunch let's say you have an faq on there you have maybe some tool tips or you have a video or you even have logos that are at the bottom of the page uh you you can you can look at a conversion rate for people that see the logos and or case studies versus people that don't. So the event tracking isn't just clicks. So event tracking can be just if it becomes visible on the page, that's called called an impression or visibility event. So that that's where that's where the you would start. Again, there's and when it comes to e-commerce and Shopify, there's certainly some standard events that we consider our, our normal or base our base setup for what we call user journey tracking. And for that, it's email signups. It's a percentage of people that, uh, that are uh, scroll at least 50% and are also on the page for 30 seconds. That's good for just engagement, like a combo and engagement, engagement metric, viewing a product page, adding to cart, initiating checkout, and then completing purchase. And then if you, if you have like a wish list or a quiz or something like that, then those are additional ones. But generally, if you have those six to 10 events, then you can look at by channel and say, okay, well, Facebook ads is doing great in terms of email signups, but people coming in through Facebook, they're not adding to cart or purchasing. But I see, I see a channel, people coming in from my email list, they're doing great at adding to cart and purchasing. So you can just, I mean, that's a fairly common scenario, but that would answer the question of, okay, drop, we want to pull in people from Facebook, drive them to an email list, and then use that email list to essentially drive more of the add to cart and purchase process. That's awesome. Let me ask you about something you said earlier about um, channel and source. So if you're on the 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 campaign URL builder page of Google and you're like trying to create a tracking link that you're going to use in an ad or in a link that you're posting on social media, is that like the old school way of doing it? Or does that, that become obsolete with Google Tag Manager or is that still necessary? Com completely different. So Google Tag Manager doesn't do anything that, unless you're super advanced, Google Tag Manager doesn't do anything with UTM parameters. So the Google URL builder, you're, that is something that you, you're, if you're doing it, everyone should do that because the more you can, again, this goes back to nomenclature, tag, like tagging the traffic, I, I prefer, I mean, that's one way to say it, but adding UTM parameters to that traffic, what you're essentially doing is giving giving you the possibility within GA to segment that traffic a little bit more. So you can look at by campaigns or content of or the content of a, of a particular campaign. So yes, always, always, always tag, quote unquote, tag your traffic with UTM parameters. And then you can do the channel breakdown. So if you want to customize channels inside your, your acquisition source medium, you do that inside of Google Analytics because you can customize those. Awesome. Awesome. And I was, your site is awesome, by the way. 
getelevar.com. I, I love how clean it is. And it's, uh, I, I spent a lot of time on it today and I was checking it out and I was learning a lot. And one of the things you said is you help build a bridge between marketers and engineers. And in some ways, that's kind of what we're doing here in this interview of like, and you have a unique ability of like, all right, we have this, all this awesome tech and we need to make it approachable to the Shopify store owner or just the online uh, yeah. business owner. How does uh, Elevar build that bridge or how do you think about that bridge and what are the, what does it look like the problems? Like I know from my past, like trying to get tracking scripts installed by a developer, it's always a pain, it's a hassle. And mm -hmm. I don't know, like, what, what do you mean? What's your take on this whole bridge building? Yeah. Great. Uh, great question. You're not the only, only, it's not the only time I've heard that, that it's a pain in the butt to get tracking involved. So at, here's the, here's the reality and engineers on our team will, will they say the same thing. It, when you, when you, let's say you want, you need to implement Facebook pixel and Twitter tracking and Pinterest and Snapchat and TikTok and all that, that is a very, it's a very simple exercise for a technically skilled person. So for an engineer, they don't want to be doing that. They don't want to do that task because it's basically a copy and paste task. And you, you have to swap out a few variables. It's not, it's not exciting. They're not learning. They're not expanding their skill set. It also, so take it from the, the marketer's perspective, the marketer, they have no idea what goes into a tracking script. So they're, most of them aren't even going to touch it, nor should they, because it's not their, it's not their specialty. But the, the job that the marketer is trying to do is when they say, hey, implement, implement my Facebook pixel, that's the requirements they hand off to the technical person. The technical person will implement the pixel. And then the marketer is going to say, what the hell? I'm trying, I want to know what, like, what my average cost per product view, what's my average cost per add to cart? What's my ROAS, my return to ad spend for purchases? So they're going to go back to the technical person and say, hey, I want to know all these stats. And the technical person is going to say, well, you never told me those requirements. So then they're going to shelf the marketer is going to shelf around and try to figure out like what they need to, how they need to communicate to the, the engineer to implement. At the end of the day, the marketer, again, it's not implementing the pixels and the job they're trying to get done. The job they're trying to do is an, like attribute and analyze their spend. So they know where to spend more money or pull, pull budget back. The marketer is not technical. So they don't necessarily know the nuances of how to implement variables and tracking and all that. And the, the engineer, they know nothing about marketing, most of them. So they don't necessarily, know, they don't, they don't understand the job that the marketer is trying to do. So they're just basically going to just, you know, copy and paste whatever is sent to them. So that ends up just in weeks, can end up in weeks and weeks and back and forth. And that's, that's the niche. That's the bridge that we are solving is we understand both sides of those. So we, in a combination of our software and our services builds that bridge between the two to make the job simple for the marketer. It's much more of a one-click setup and you take the burden because it, it literally is a burden for most engineers. They hate doing this, like setting up tracking, takes that burden off of them where it's just a one-click and they just say, just install LLVAR and follow their you know setup instructions. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a super great friction mm -hmm. point. Um, what in this like uh, skill that you have of like building that bridge to the non-technical mind, what is the data layer? Like, what does that mean? And why is that important? All right. Data layer. This, this is, this is where it can get a little bit 
it will get a little bit confusing, especially the way I try to butcher explaining it. So let's take a WooCommerce site. So most of your most of your customers WordPress, yeah, versus Shopify. Okay, so it doesn't really matter. Wo- WooCommerce, Shopify, it doesn't really matter. The concept is the same. If someone has a WordPress store and they have Wo- a WooCommerce plugin, so they have some purchase and, and the, some ability for people to buy things, whether it's courses, etc. That if someone is going through and purchasing a course, they the the business owner that is selling the course. Let's say they have. Do many of your customers have multiple courses? They have more than one. Yeah, and some even have like a a whole WooCommerce store, and they also do training like with physical and digital products. So yeah. So we'll take we'll take a store that has 10, 10 different products, a combination of courses and swag or or whatever else. Each one of those products, they have a product name, a product SKU, a price, potentially variants like size, color, if it's a shirt or some some sort of swag. And when someone goes through and completes a purchase, that data needs to go to Google Analytics so you can look at what channels perform the best, like you were mentioning earlier. That data needs to go to Facebook. So when you're evaluating your ROAS, you're measuring, okay, did they buy a $200 course or a $20 jacket? That's a big difference in your ROAS that you're going to report on. So all of that data is essentially, you. it's, it's a variables that are built built out through a data layer. The data layer data layer is basically a Google term. It's, it's, a, it's a, essentially a JavaScript that runs on the site that you essentially push you push these variables into a data layer. So if someone purchases, you know, that t-shirt, piece, piece of swag, actually, if you actually look at the data layer in the source code, it's going to have product name was t-shirt, price was $20, uh, SKU is, you know, ABC123. That that data layer is dynamic for every user, every session, everyone that's on a site that's going to adjust for that particular user. And then Google Tag Manager, essentially. So that's your, your data layer foundation. Then Google Tag Manager, the, the GCM UI, where you have all the different tags and triggers and variables, that essentially is reading. That's reading the data from the data layer and then saying, and then sending those different hits to GA, to Facebook, to AdWords, et cetera, using that dynamic data from the data layer. So we're getting more information than just like they spent this much money. There's a much more richer set of variables in the data that the Facebook can see and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So these examples, if we use retail, let's say you have a gender split store, let's say you have men's and women's uh, boots or, or something like that. What by sending that data to Facebook, instead of just some like, you know, Chris bought $20, you're saying Chris bought this $20, Chris bought a pair of boots. That was a color Brown. That was $20. And uh, you know, skew X, Y, and Z. So then, what the store owner is able to do inside of Facebook, we talked about the conversion tracking, so they can see, okay, they spent ten dollars for you to click on it, and you spent twenty. So you know, their, their rows is two. But now they're able to build an audience. So now they can build an audience, and the rules are anybody who purchased boots from for a gen- gender of male, or maybe boots that were color brown. So now they have an audience inside of Facebook. And that audience, they can just build up and then remarket to you. So when the next version of Brown Boots comes out, you'll see it. Others like you will see it. And they can create lookalike audiences. So you have that audience inside of Facebook. And now, now you say, hey, Facebook, go find more people that match this group of people that purchased a pair of Brown Boots. 
go find more people like them and put my ads in front of them. So that's that that's like that's taking data layer. Your tags pick up that data. They send those hits to Facebook. You track your conversion tracking, and then using the data from the data layer, you create custom audiences that then you tell Facebook to go find more people like them. Facebook puts the ads in front of them. Someone clicks on the ad, they come through the site, and then essentially a cycle repeats. That's awesome. And I was going to ask you about remarketing next. You brought it up already. What is, if someone is going to get into remarketing for their e-commerce store, what should they try first? Like what's the strategy for remarketing to start with? Anybody who added a cart or started the checkout process, but did not purchase. So the way using the, the data layer and event tracking, what, what you can do is if you're sending unique events or some every, every, essentially if we go back to those user journey tracking reports I was telling you about, you send an event to Facebook when somebody adds to cart <clears throat> or if somebody starts to check out. And then inside of Facebook, you create an audience and the rule can be as simple as for the people in the last 90 days that added to cart, but did not trigger the purchase event. So now you essentially have a bucket of people who added to cart, but did not purchase. So it's, it's very high intent. So then you create a campaign that is remarketing to them. So the campaign's not, you know, not your top of the funnel, like, hey, here's my new store, check us out. These your are the shoes. Campaign. These are our abandoned carts that follow <laughs> us around the internet. Like, dude, you exactly. want these shoes? You want these shoes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, if I'm describing this wrong, correct me, but didn't Google and isn't Google Analytics right now or recently as of this recording? We're recording this at the end of January 2021. Um, coming out with like a new version or something? Uh, GA, yeah, so GA4. So what's, they, what's the difference? Should we upgrade? What happens if we're like really deep in the old version? Like what's new here? Yeah. GA4, they launched July, July in 2019. It used to be called App Plus Web. So they launched the new property. It was called App Plus Web. And then I think it was October, November, 2020, they essentially rebranded it and said, Hey, new version of GA is out. It's called GA4. Everyone should go through an upgrade. It's going to be a long time before people give up or basically stop using what's called universal analytics, which is the GA you're talking about that we're all familiar with and migrate fully to GA4. Historically, people weren't doing that because it, the feature set it wasn't wasn't feature uh, complete. It wasn't com it really didn't compare to the existing GA. So what we we have been recommending to all of our customers and on our our blog where we posted you know shared how to go through and set it up is you just run them in parallel. Even if you don't use GA four today, get it up and running. Get data like just start tracking and sending data to the property. So if and when you do want to start using it, or Google essentially forces our hand you're not starting from scratch. So that's our recommendation of, of what to do with it. What are the differences of it or how is it different from the existing GA? It's completely different. The main, the main difference, there's, uh, there's two or three main differences. Number one, it's, it's very much uh, heavier in event tracking versus page view. So it, it allows you to get more granular of like the event tracking. I was talking about pe people watching video, doing, doing things like that. 
it's a, it's a better version for analyzing that type of behavior. And simply also because you can merge data sources so you can have web data with app data and you know, potentially other data sources, toaster. If you have, if you have data tracking on a, a smart toaster, in theory, you can send that data to your GA4 property and start comparing, slicing, and dicing. But that's obviously for 99.999% of people, it's not relevant. The, the second big benefit, so again, it's more event-driven event than page view-driven, which can be easier, better for analysis. Number two is it has a lot of the features that GA360, the paid version, which has historically been like 150,000 a year, it has many of those features for free. So the funnel builder, there's a funnel builder, there's a custom page pathing, there's an analysis hub. Those features were all GA360 historically. Nobody, you, you couldn't use them unless you paid the 150K a year. Now they're baked into the free version of GA4. That's benefit number two. Number three, if I think for us in, in the world of e-commerce where we live, it's it's just more customizable. It, it it's more and it goes back to the event data. It's just it's more customizable versus everything trying to fit in this one box. And most of the analysis that we do is very heavy on events. So on event tracking, the page view track tracking is. It's great, but for, mo- for many, it doesn't it only tells you so much. It tells you how many people looked at it, what your bounce rate was, what your talent page was, but that's an inaccurate me- metric anyways, and what your page value is for that page. For most people, they don't know how or care to or even need to know how to uh, correlate page value back to actually business value. That's cool. Well, that's a big relief if you can just run them in parallel and just get started. It's yeah. not like this massive... <clears throat> Uh, switch. That's cool. Um, one more thing you mentioned, uh, I saw on your site or in one of your videos was around page speed mm-hmm. and like time delays or um, where things like the chat widget, if you're using chat, mm-hmm. which is very common on e-commerce yeah. sites. Uh, what's that all about? Because we all want a faster website. How? Tell us more how, how to speed it up. So this goes back to managing your tags in Google Tag Manager. Many of us, and this has been the normal way to do it over years. Over the years, maybe not so much the last couple, but if you have all these different services that you are utilizing for tracking, like I have Drift as an example, like the yeah, Drift yeah. chat app or Intercom yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you probably have that. You probably have Google Analytics and Google or yeah, Google Ads and Facebook and potentially others. Those are all scripts that normally you you might implement directly in the theme. So it's just there and in the theme and based on where it is position wise, it's going to load. So most, most of those providers say, Hey, put this at the very top of the head and make sure it's the first thing it loads on the site. They say that because they want to make sure that their script quote unquote has, is always loading and never has a chance to not load because a user progresses past the page uh, before it finishes loading, which is just, I won't go down that go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Uh, with Google Tag Manager, what you can do is there's different types of triggers. So in Tag Manager, you have tags, triggers, and variables. The world the world in GTM starts with variables, and then from there it's triggers. So with triggers, you have page view as a trigger, click as a trigger, impression as a trigger, which I mentioned earlier, timer. So there's what there's a trigger called a timer-based trigger. And what you what we do with this, we do this with many customers is we move their tracking to GTM. So if the live chat, the Zen desk was probably the example I was talking about. When someone is loading a site for the first time, you don't 
like they're not going to load a page and go directly directly to the live chat. No, there's no. no there's no need to have that live chat part of that initial page load for the site. Slowing the it down. Can, exactly. So yeah. you can use create a timer based trigger in GTM that say, hey, after five seconds after the page is unloading, there's a trigger, and then that can fire up the Zendesk, and then the bubble would pop up in the right. You can do that with all of your all like all of your marketing tracking scripts. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's a that's a that's a big unlock there. Who who's a who's a perfect fit for Elevar? Shopify business owner that's doing at least a million in revenue a year. That's typically their their thought process is to to scale. They're trying to scale effectively, and they need to tr- they need to trust their data. They need that solid data foundation to make decisions from. But typically, they're they're a small small team, and they're doing a million different things, and they just don't have the time to learn this stuff. So what is, uh, what's the core problem that get Elvar solves for these people? It, ensuring that you have trust in your data and getting the right data to the right marketing channels. The easy way. <laughs> yeah. Again, that, that's, that's the, for us, it's actually been a challenge for, for me personally and us as a business is really like just simplifying how we articulate the value of what we do. Because again, again, the one of the interviews we have with our customers a while back they're they're not the job they're trying to do is not implement tracking they're like the job they're trying to do is trying to make scale their sit, company right? they're trying to scale their company yeah, yeah and using data to do that so many people will come to us because their data they don't trust their data and it's inaccurate and they just need it fixed they're like just get our data foundation fixed i had one guy tell me a year ago right before black friday he was spending twenty or thirty thousand dollars a day in Google Ads. His cost per acquisition went from ten dollars to twenty dollars. So think about that. If he's spending, and he's let's say he was at a four four X ROAS, that, that is a huge, huge drop in revenue. So he literally said, he, he said, "I'll I'll gladly pay you guys you know, five hundred bucks a month if my tracking never breaks like this ever again." He's like, "I'll do that. I'll pay you that the rest of my life. Just ensure that doesn't break." So again, the job he wasn't trying to do was like get tracking up and running. The job he's trying to do is to scale with with trustworthy data. So that's the that's a little backstory in the on the value prop for us. Sorry about that. I think my internet might have just cut out there. So it's all good. Um, so what is the uh, what is the best way if somebody has a Shopify store and they want to get into Elevar? What's the best way for them to get started? You either find us on the App Store, the Shopify App Store, or just visit getelevar.com and. Go uh, trigger one of those events on the uh, the video <laughs> demo page. <laughs> yeah, that's and by awesome. the way, all that tracking. It's not like we don't know it's you per se. So uh, there's there's obviously those that are worried about people tracking everywhere. But Google Analytics data, it's all anonymous, and we don't we don't know it's it was Chris or Beth or John or whoever. We don't we can't tie it back to the person. It's more like just anonymized uh, anonymized data. So there's no like it's not like this is it's this is compliant with GDPR and privacy and all that stuff. It's it's just uh, um, cookies and whatnot. It's just uh, yeah, I think that's an important point. Like just because you have better tracking, it doesn't mean you're you're breaking any kind of rule or anything. You're actually figuring out how to help your customers better. And there's mm-hmm. some not the anonymity is 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 there. So yeah, yeah. Brad, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You've taken us to school on the Google universe, Google Tag Manager specifically. Um, I wish you all the best and uh, thank you so much. It's it's really been an eye-opener for me because I know I need to level up in this department and 
I know your tool does it, but you also just build that bridge as a technical person yourself to the every man and woman like myself. So uh, thanks for taking yeah. us to school today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Anytime. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Chris. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.